Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. My guest on the podcast today is David Elliott, who is a naturopathic practitioner and a much sought out expert of blood chemistry analysis for your optimum physiological balance and health. He has exceptional knowledge of vitamins, minerals, herbal therapies, homeopathics, electrodermal screening, and many other ways of finding your path to health, wellness, and really information about what's going on with your body. I wanted to bring him on the show today because he has personally helped me greatly with my health, with my journey, and he is really part of my team um, to keep myself in optimal wellness. So I really hope you enjoy what he has to say and that it serves you well. Well, David... My naturopath is here today. I am so thrilled that you're doing this with me. You have so much knowledge, so much insight, so much wisdom to share with the listeners. So thank you. And and I call you David, but really you are Dr. Elliot. (laughs) Well, the first definition definition in Webster Dictionary for doctor is teacher. Mm. And it's... I've been very fortunate and blessed to have been in the position to have had a significant amount of information dropped into my little brain and regurgitate it, be able to master a certain amount of it. And I want to share that information. I've always said knowledge is power. If you know something's going on, you can do something proactive. And I've worked with doctors for nearly 40 years. The first doctor I worked with, uh, was in his late 60s, his second year in residency is when they discovered penicillin. So he was inclined to irrigate your sinuses with a saline solution before giving you an antibiotic. Mm. All of our patients were chronic fatigue, environmentally ill, chemical sensitive, multiple food allergies. Um, fragile patients that tried to function in a world. They were like uh, canaries in the coal mine. And he would... He was like the last Sherlock Holmes, Marcus Welby kind of doctor that I knew that would dig and dig and dig. It might take two hours for him to do a history and physical because he had to process through his mind the series of events that brought you to where he was sitting in front of you, where you were sitting in front of him. And I noticed that from my clients in a health food store in Irvine, his patients got better faster. And I think it was because of his nitpicky attention to detail Mm. and he would adjust would um, address subclinical thyroid functions he in his physical i'd read the physical two plus cold hands three plus cold feet basal axillary temperatures below normal uh thyroid affects a lot of people and it seems like it affects a lot of women also and Biggest cause of thyroid imbalance today is Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune attack against the thyroid. Right. And that happens. A woman's body is so incredible. Third trimester of pregnancy, your body is making antibodies out the wazoo. But as soon as the baby is born, that Th2 pathway drops and Th1 upregulates. Th1 is more aggressive. It's call out the cavalry, kill things, break stuff. And... TH, many Hashimoto's patients are TH1 upregulated somewhat. It's constantly a balance. It's a seesaw. And that's that aggressive stance that the immune system takes postpartum is to keep you alive. Women used to die after childbirth. If you die, your baby doesn't get mother's milk. It doesn't get the priming of the immune system from the antibodies in mother's milk. And your baby probably won't survive. So that's the innate wisdom of a woman's body to procreate and to help her survive so that she can care for her baby to raise the baby into adulthood. Right. So, uh, there's just, there's so many things that affect the immune system. And 
vitamin D is a huge part of it because we've been told for 50 years, stay out of the sun. Oh my God, if you go out in the sun, you're going to spontaneously combust. And then they wonder why our vitamin D levels suck. Mm -hmm. And to be able to make vitamin D from the sun, you need about 20 minutes of good sunlight with 45% of your body exposed to the sun. I was reading a study the other day that said that 78% of the people that died of COVID were obese. And larger people generally aren't exposing 45% of their skin to the sun. Oh, wow. That's a good point. And it, it doesn't take a lot of sun to make vitamin D. But when you're told to stay out of the sun and you need your immune system to function, COVID is a variation of a cold virus. Whether it was genetically engineered or not, we don't know. I have questions. I have a, a certain degree of cynicism about a lot of the stuff that we have been told for the last couple of years. But your immune system is supposed to protect you. But the CDC says only 6% of the people, the 700,000 people plus that died of COVID, only 6% died of COVID. The other 94% died of their comorbidities, right. a combination of 2.7 comorbidities, obesity, diabetic, autoimmune, uh, cardiovascular disease. And I'm going to be willing to bet that the vast majority of those overweight patients were vitamin D deficient also. I would, I would wager to say it's probably going to be in the 95% range that were, would be vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. And if you do any reading or studying about vitamin D, it's vitamin D is pivotal. How the immune system responds, Th1, call out the cavalry, Th2, clean house. The fulcrum that seesaw pivots off of is regulatory T cells directly impacted by vitamin D. So if your vitamin D is low, you're not going to have optimal immune function. Vitamin D is cheap to take, free just to get out in the sun, get some fresh air. Mm -hmm. And if your vitamin D is in the optimal range, the 60 to 80 range, you're looking at about a 60% reduction in risk for skin cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, uterine cancer, breast cancers, cardioprotective and osteoprotective. Pretty significant for one damn vitamin that's cheap to take or free if you get out in the sun. Yeah. I want to go back to the thyroid because you've helped me a ton with my thyroid. And um, there's so many, so much misunderstanding around the thyroid, mis, um, misfiring as far as treatments go in allopathic yep. medicine, hence why I ended up with you and it's been a game changer. And um, I have a couple questions. One is, why do you think so many people, especially women, have thyroid dysfunction. Like, what is that about? Well, Hashimoto's or autoimmunity, where the immune system is attacking the thyroid, is the number one cause for thyroid imbalances. There are some people that are congenitally a little hyperthyroid. Uh -huh. so there's a lot of things that attack the thyroid. Insufficient protein has an impact on the thyroid. Estrogen, like birth control pills, exogenous estrogens and estrogenically active chemical compounds have an impact on the thyroid. The primary test is TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. That's the pituitary hormone that tells the thyroid to produce thyroxin. Mm -hmm. If the TSH is high, they'll write your prescription for synthetic, for synthroid levothyroxine. Or if you've got a sharp practitioner, they'll look at a natural product because it's a, it's a quality of life issue. Some of the people that I've known that have had the best quality of life at 75 and 80 and 85 have been on a little bit of thyroid addressed from clinical symptom picture. Mm -hmm. Now, first doctor I worked with shook hands with me. He told me, man, you need some thyroid support. And I was a little PO'd about it because at the time I think I was 160 pounds. And in my little brain, people that had thyroid issues were huge. They had their own zip code that were so big. <laughs> and he said, here, read this book and handed me a copy of Hypothyroidism, The Unsuspected Illness by Dr. Broda Barnes, and it read like my childhood medical history. Mm. I mean, Dr. Barnes could have been my pediatrician. The repeated respiratory infections, the less than sterling energy stamina and endurance. I, I was not a healthy kid. I'm a healthier old codger than I was a teenager mm -hmm. or young adults and antibiotics, ear infections, sinus infections, respiratory infections, bronchitis, but loads of antibiotics over the years. And so it, it resonated with me and he used a natural thyroid prescription. So he started me on it. The only thing I've ever noticed was I don't have cold hands, cold feet. I have better thermogenic regulation, which I like that. But um, some people have just profound impacts. 
And it's, it's more than just TSH and T4 communication pathways. If you read Dr. Karazian's book, Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms? Yeah. There's 24 possible metabolic glitches in thyroid metabolism. It's way, way, way more complicated than here's your prescription for Synthroid or Nature Thyroid or Armor. And most endocrinologists don't run the lab test to look at what, I mean, you can have plenty of T4. I said, well, you're fine. Well, okay, why do I have all these symptoms? Cold hands, cold feet, dry skin, fatigue, weak resistance, menstrual irregularities. Well, it's not your thyroid. But then if you do a T3, yes, it is. You're not converting T4 to T3. T3 is more metabolically active. That conversion takes place in the gut and in the liver. So if you've got a gut infection, you're not going to convert. So then you have this whole clustering of symptoms that go along with subclinical hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's much more complicated. And that that's why the functional medicine model is like, okay, it's, uh, that's why I like looking at blood work. What causes this? It's like playing a chess game to something happens with you. $64,000 questions. What drove that to happen? Right. Your blood sugar's off. What drove that? Okay. Triglycerides have gone up. What are you doing? Are you skipping meals over long between eating? Are you doing too many sweets or carbs? Why did that marker change and what can we do to support it with diet and nutrition? I'd love for you to talk about those markers or how you look at blood work from your perspective versus the blood work that you would get at a regular, common, you know, Western allopathic doctor, which is much more broad and it doesn't give you as much information and um, it can actually misread or, or, or miss certain things that are actually really off because it will say that it's normal where when we look at it under your lens, um, it's completely different readings. Can you explain the difference and why that's important? Well, it's the same blood work, but it's how you process information. Lab norms are created demographically. So you have 100 fat, unhealthy people going through the lab. They take 2.5% off of each end. If you're in the 95 percentile, you're in the lab norm. Last time I got blood work, I'm looking around and at LabCorp, and this one's 350 pounds, and that one's older than God's wet nurse, and that one has seven kids, and that one's an electric because they can't walk, and that one's on oxygen. I don't even want to be in the same species with those people because they're not healthy, much less in the same demographics. Right. And when I look at labs, instead of this football field, you look at narrow fields, narrow panels, so that you see things before it becomes pathologic. Because the only things that are kind of standardized are cholesterol, because we got drugs for that, and glucose, we got drugs for that. So they have a different model. I'm looking at, okay, what's imbalanced or outside and the functional ranges actually look like our labs did 50 years ago mm-hmm. before we became epidemically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the diet has changed dramatically in the last quarter of a century. For 30 years, I've told patients, go to the market, find the biggest person, the least healthy person in the market, look at what's in the basket, and don't eat any of what they got in their basket. Yes. Now, you find somebody that's relatively healthy and they've got some zip to their doodah, it's going to be a different basket of food, I promise you. Yeah. So the diet has changed. People go for convenience and massive numbers of chemicals that are added to stabilize and give shelf life and preserve and artificial colors. There's over 100,000 chemicals that are licensed to dump into our air, our food, our water. If you go back to a clean diet, simple diet, proteins, veggies, it's better for your blood sugar, which in the long run will be better for cognitive function as you get older and reduce risk of being diabetic as you get older. And it just, it's, I talk to patients that how many fat kids were in your high school graduating class? And it's not a fat thing. It's just, it's a marker of how we are healthy. God love you. If you're 350 pounds, my heart goes out to you. If you're happy, that's all well and fine. But you are a walking diabetic cardiovascular time bomb. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. There is no obese person that is healthy. Not, it doesn't, it, not, not, not. You can tell yourself all those lovely lies, but you're not healthy. The human body is not meant to carry around that kind of weight. Right. And the increased risk of things going south health-wise, and when you look at COVID, 78, nearly 80% of the people that died of COVID were obese. So it's just, I ask patients, how many obese kids were in your high school graduating class? I'm, I'm a Southern boy. If you know anything about Southern cuisine, you know we fry stuff. 
Catfish, okra, hush puppies, chicken. If we can batter it and fry it, we call it dinner. 70% of our population is overweight with 47, 48, some being obese. So that's, that does not bode well for our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, we're not healthy as a patient population. That's what I see in the blood work. I've been looking at labs for over a quarter of a century. I want to go back to protein because you mentioned Alzheimer's and diabetes. And I learned something, I learned something new every day. I, every time I come in to see you and it really got my attention when you made me aware that I was not eating enough protein. And you were telling me how much protein I need to, need to eat. And I was kind of in shock. And you said, no, that's a normal amount of protein. And um, I realized there wasn't enough protein, which then will give you inflammation and inflammation of the brain, very likely. Well, yes, but it's, sec- it's secondary. It's secondary. And I think, well, with thyroid, I remember I got really sick when I was living in New York City and I was a vegan for seven years and I had never felt weaker, sicker, you know, not well. And I was definitely not eating enough protein. I was probably hardly eating any protein. And then the moment I was dating a guy when I moved to LA in my late 20s, And we went out to this restaurant and he got me, um, he wanted to get, take me out and get a steak frite. And I said, oh, I'm a vegan. He said, no, you need to eat meat. (laughs) And he was (laughs) phatic about it. And, and uh, I, I just kind of said, okay, you know what? Today I think is the day because I'm, I just don't feel good. (laughs) And I ate that whole steak. And I got to tell you, I felt like, the lights came back on. I felt like my life was back and my life force came back. And I realized how good I felt when I ate red meat. And, um, and so then I start putting two and two together and thyroid. Well, one of the triggers could be like you said, low protein. Well, I definitely wasn't eating enough protein. And then talking about headaches or getting um, this increase in inflammation in the brain. Well, that can be related to not enough protein. What is the misconception, or I should say, why are there so many misconceptions about protein? People say you get too much. They say you don't get enough. In the Western, um, in the Western world, they'll say, oh, you'll never have to worry about not getting enough protein because everybody has too much protein. So many mixed messages. What's up with protein? Well, we need it to be able to maintain lean muscle mass. I like the density of beef because it keeps me grounded so that I can watch the circus that modern life has become and not participate in the circus. Mm. I would much rather, I think of a cow out in the field chewing his cud all happy. That's what I want for dinner mm-hmm. as opposed to hysterical chickens running around like Henny Penny. <laughs> but the inflammatory part of less than adequate protein is it messes with blood sugar. Uh-huh. We your heart and your brain are sucking up probably 50, 60% of the glucose in your body 24-7. When the glucose starts dropping, the brain freaks out, thinks there's no fuel. That triggers a cortisol release. Cortisol inhibits blood flow to the gastrointestinal tract. We didn't need to digest food a million years ago when we needed to run from saber-toothed tigers. The cortisol also pulls blood flow pulls um, glycogen out of the liver and the muscles, and you have a spike in glucose, just as if you had had a Snickers bar. High glucose is neuroinflammatory. Then you get an insulin surge, which is also neuroinflammatory. That insulin surge in women drives the production of testosterone. Mm. Hence the male pattern baldness in the mustache. In men, that, test- that insulin surge drives the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. So you get your omega males. Mm. And... The research last couple of years are calling Alzheimer's and dementia type three diabetes or brain diabetes. I don't mind being an old codger. I just want to be a functional old fart. Mm -hmm. I refuse to be a third generation diabetic. Everything at this moment, the fastest growing portion of our population demographically is the old, old 85 to 90 year olds followed by centenarians. We have more people alive today at 100 and 100 plus than any other time in recorded history. 
maybe the greatest things we may see or do in the course of our life are probably still ahead of us, which I find fascinating. Yes. You know, a healthy 40-year-old woman, 40-something, is likely to be around another 40, maybe 50 years. Mm-hmm. My mom just passed at almost 96. So I'm planning to be an old fart. They are mm-hmm. going to plant me, but when I go is between me and my God. And my constant prayer and dialogue is I want to be as well as possible, as long as possible, God willing, quick exit. And I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to eat enough protein to maintain energy, stamina, focus, function, endurance. I'm going to eat enough protein to be able to protect my lean muscle mass so that if I fall at 75 or 80, maybe I won't break something. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they're still going to plant me, but it's not going to be today. And it's certainly not going to be of COVID. And it just, I'm going to make them chase me down to plant me. I don't intend to go quietly anytime in the near future if I have anything to say about it. Yeah, amen. And you have to have enough protein for thyroid function. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, absolutely. And, you know, as as someone who's been on the spiritual path, like many of us in the yoga community, um, I sure certainly had my share of people coming up to me and saying, I can't believe you eat meat. And I say, well, animals have karma too. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I had to go through my own process with that, but I bless my food, even if it's an apple. I remember sitting with uh, a master in, in um, India and he said, you know, even fruit has a nervous system, even a piece of lettuce has an intelligence. Everything has an intelligence. So don't limit it to things with a face. Um, And so, you know, to me, if you can eat consciously and and, uh, bless your food, knowing that that animal wants to give his life to you. um, I I mean, I have total peace with being a meat eater. And Anyway. Well, biblically, we were, we were given dominion over all things. Should an animal be abused to be dinner? Absolutely not. Right. I want a healthy, happy animal for dinner. Absolutely. And I'm not, when Doc and I are saying eat protein, we're not talking eat half a cow. Right. Like, I, I'm 180 pounds, so 25 to 30 grams. So we're looking at three or four ounces. And that's, that's not a lot of protein with your veggies. And I want a happy cow. If I'm going to do poultry, I want happy chickens. I don't want burned out old egg layers that can't lay eggs anymore. And it's just, my grandmother had chickens growing up. Uh, just, I've been around animals my entire life. And there's a degree of stewardship. And I like the phrasing that you use, conscious eating. It's a conscious choice. Uh, you talk about diet and the people automatically go to deprivation consciousness. It's not, a, it's not about, oh, I'm gluten-free. I can never have another donut. Well, why would you want to eat that anyway? Mm-hmm. But for me, gluten is neuroinflammatory. It triggers vertigo. The biggest part of the gluten response is neuroinflammation. If I'm going to kill a few brain cells, maybe I want a good scotch or a good tequila. I want to enjoy their demise. And yeah. we... There's stewardship in owning one of these, and we need to learn at some point in our growth and evolution to make wise choices more often than make poor choices. That's a, that's a constant dialogue what, in my little brain every moment, every day. What's the best choice to allow me to function for the next 40 years? What's the best choice to allow me to have energy? What's the best choice to help me maintain my weight? What's the best choice to maintain my blood sugar? And I'm going to make a, the wisest choice of what's available to me. It's yeah. a conscious choice. And we have to have food. We have to have sustenance. None of us have evolved to the point where we can be breatharian. And I don't know if you want to be a breatharian in Los Angeles, because some days the air is kind of funky. (laughs) But it's until until we can evolve to that point, we will be eating food. And we want to do organic as much as possible. And particularly when it comes to your proteins, you want healthy pasture-raised cows. That's the way God made them to graze on grass. Chickens hunting and pecking, eating grubs and worms and things, not in a coop with tens of thousands vibrating at that hysterical frequency. You eat that and you're going to maintain some sanity in Los Angeles? Probably not. And it's just wherever the protein comes from, as long as you get enough protein to maintain lean muscle mass and stabilize your blood sugar, I think you're way ahead of the curve in terms of aging healthily. 
Mm. What do you see as the main theme in most of your patients that cause the greatest amount of breakdown in health? Is there a theme, a commonality? Well, there's some of it. I mean, my old man was diagnosed diabetic when he was a little older than I am now. So I'm kind of focused on blood sugar. Mm -hmm. But people eat crap. Yeah, they do. And it's just like, mm -mm, no, everything's got an expiration date on it. If you look at the expiration date on a package of something and it's longer than the one that's tattooed on the left cheek of your butt, put it back on the shelf and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Don't access crap. Oh, it's so hard to eat. Well, no, it's not. Use your slow cooker. You can buy a small roast, throw it in the slow cooker. Six hours later, it's done. It takes 10 minutes to steam some veggies. And you've got some leftovers for lunch the next day. So it doesn't take, it's not rocket science to learn to eat Eat well, eat simply, focus on your blood sugar, eat frequently enough to stabilize your blood sugar so you don't have these fluctuations in energy. Right. I, I want to have, a, I want to, it's, it's like fueling a Ferrari. I, I want to fuel my Ferrari and have some zip to my doodah for the next four hours. Do another fueling, then kick button, take names for another four hours. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you do, if anything, to protect yourself from 5G? And should we be concerned about 5G? I think we should be concerned. I don't know what the answer is to protect us because everybody and their brother has a gadget or two or three. Do they work? Don't know. Yeah. I'd have to take the time to do studies. I've got a few friends and patients that are extraordinarily sensitive to 5G. They were physiologically identical to our ancestors tens of thousands of years ago. The biggest difference between us and the cavemen is we smell better and we don't mother earth has a resonant frequency 8.74 megahertz or something mm -hmm. and we have evolved in intimate relationship with mother earth we sat on mother earth around the campfire we slept on mother earth before we made beds and people go for weeks and weeks and months and never come into contact with mother earth they're in shoes. They're never sitting on the grass. They're not walking barefoot on the beach. They're in shoes. They're on concrete. They never have that grounding tethering to Mother Earth. Meanwhile, we've got all of this discordant crap from yeah. 5G, the microwaves and everything else. So, and that has changed. We evolve and change as a group very slowly. It's not wake up one morning and you're evolved. It's there's, it takes time and evolution is driven by stimulus. Mm. And this is a stimulus that we don't know what it's ultimately going to do. Some of the research is pretty scary. Some of it says it's relatively benign, but then you've got to consider if it comes from the industry that's promoting 5G, they're going to say it's benign. If it comes from an independent research group, they're going to say it's pretty scary. Right. If it comes from the government, you know it's a lie, whichever, whichever tax they take. So it's, yes, it is a problem. I don't know what to do. We have some homeopathics that have helped some of our patients, but I think enough of, enough dense protein to help keep you grounded is definitely one way of helping to cope with this. I don't notice so much from it myself, but I do have some friends that are very, very sensitive. Mm -hmm. I know I'm sensitive and I feel different when I don't wear this pendant that I'm wearing from yeah. your office. So there's something to it. What it is, I don't know, but I can just tell you I just feel better with it and I don't feel so great without it. And I don't think it's psychological. Yeah. So no. Well, there there's there's more sensitive people now because we have changed so much in our environment and the food has changed. The likelihood of you being able to deal with this environmental stuff if you were eating a junk food processed fast food kind of stuff. Probably, you probably wouldn't deal with it as well, with or without the pendant. So yeah. to me, a, a lot of it goes back to diets. And if you're eating a real foods, fresh fruits and veggies kind of diet, or at least getting most of the nutrients, I'm a good boy with my vegetables. I love vegetables. I can make a vegetable taste good. It's, I'm not a fan of fruits. I don't. It's an OCD texture thing. So I do the Miracle Reds from the office. So I get the nutrients that I would get from the fruit without having to 
deal with the fruit texture thing. What's so there's your, ways of getting around. Yeah. What's, what is your take on natural flavors? <clears throat> you see it in so many natural, quote unquote, natural foods. You see it in sauces. You see it in vitamins. I just bought this um, omega um, you know, supplement for my son from his integrative pediatrician, no less. And it has natural lime and natural lemon. And I go, well, well, is that even good? Or is that a synthetic or is that a fungus or is that, you know, is that, is that bad? What's the deal with natural flavors? Some are good. Some are bad. Natural lemon, natural lime that comes from the lemon and lime. So I wouldn't be so much concerned about that. It's, um, you want to keep it as clean as possible, but like the omega-3 that I like has some flavor to it, but because it's emulsified, it doesn't have a fishy taste. And when you're talking about getting omega-3s into a kid, if it tastes like cod liver oil, that may be a challenge. <laughs> so this is designed to help with compliance. As God knows, I've taken a truckload of nasty supplements over the 40 years I've worked in health food stores and doctor's offices, and I'm just not as inclined to take nasty tasting supplements mm -hmm. at this stage in my life. Yeah. I want something to taste. It doesn't have to be delicious. It's just not nasty. <laughs> I totally agree. What about citric acid? Is that a fungus? Is that, what is citric acid? And is that good for you or bad for you? I get mixed information. It, it depends. Some people are more sensitive to it than others. It's in a lot of stuff. I'm going to operate. Like I'll do a pre-made off-the-counter protein shake and negotiate with God. Okay. Please let my liver detoxify from the things that's necessary to make a stable shelf by product. Because I think my liver can probably handle that. I know if I don't do something that my blood sugar is going to be wonky and I'm going to have neuroinflammation from that. So it's I'll do, use some things and kind of negotiate with God and say a little prayer over it. Mm -hmm. Be grateful. Uh, it's, we've lost all sense of gratitude in this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, there before the grace of God, we could be in Afghanistan in a friggin' burqa in 120 degrees. It's like we're so incredibly blessed to be in this country and to have the abundance and the opportunity. There's equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. Outcome depends on what you do with equal opportunity that you're given in the United States. And it's not, there's no segregation. It's not, it's more equal opportunity for a man than a woman. And no, or if you're black or white or brown or yellow or what, it's just, we all have the same opportunities. It's how we use those opportunities and what we do with our gifts and blessings and talents and abilities. It's, before mom passed, I was talking to her and her first job out of high school in 1945 was 45 cents an hour. And she was blessed to get that because that was coming out of the Great Depression and everybody was poor and broke. If you've been at McDonald's for eight years and you're only making 10 bucks an hour, you're a slug because they promote from within. If you had any zip to your doodah, they would have promoted you into management. So you, we have to make a lot of opportunities for ourselves but there's plenty available and we need to have more gratitude, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about the CDC and talk about antibodies and talk about immunity and the misconceptions around that and the misunderstanding. And even perhaps, might I say, the limited or archaic way at looking at immunity and for many years, and I think we're still doing it to much a degree, at least in allopathic circles, that we are looking at the definition of immunity by the CDC's definition of immunity, which is antibodies. And my question is, why is that limited? And why is immunity much more than just simply looking at antibodies? Well, the antibodies are the Th2 pathway where the body produces antibodies to things that it's had an immune response to. And usually it's a pretty good indicator. However, 
if your vitamin D levels aren't optimal, you're not going to get an appropriate antibody response. If your white blood counts, functionally, we want it between five and eight. If it's below five, that's an indication of either a chronic infection or a degree of immune dysregulation. And the white blood count is broken down into your antibodies, IgA, IgG, IgM, IgE. And if you don't have enough white blood cells, you aren't going to make antibodies. Antibodies are TH2 pathway. If you look at a lab and you've got an elevation of lymphocytes, you're probably fighting a viral infection, which is a TH1 marker. So if TH1 is upregulated, a battle, then TH2, where the antibodies is going to be come from, coming from, is downregulated because remember, it's like a seesaw. So mm -hmm. when one is up, the other is necessarily down. So there's a lot of things that will affect antibody, form, antibody formation. And I've seen labs where you know that they've got a bunch of food allergies because they've got a bunch of gut symptoms. However, you do an antibody test, you don't get a bunch of responses, immunological responses to the foods. And it's like, hmm, what's going on here? And you go back, okay, red blood, white blood counts low, lymphocytes are high, vitamin D sucks. So you've got immune dysregulation second, and they can have a lot of food allergies, but then you don't see it because the vitamin D levels are low. Mm -hmm. And even in Southern California, I routinely get vitamin D levels on patients that are out and about living their life in the teens, you know, 14, 15, 16, or in the low 20s, 21, 22. And a mushroom would have better antibody or better vitamin D levels than some of the people out and about. Mm. So you see people that are just, they're translucent. They look like they're going to audition for another one of the Twilight series of movies. It's like, <laughs> get out and get some sun. Come on, seriously. You look like a vampire. For sure. And you know their vitamin D levels are low. And then people that have melanin and pigment that you would think, oh, that beautiful olive skin, you're going to have great vitamin D levels. And it's low because melanin is actually protective. Mm -hmm. So you and I being bright, white European ancestry people, we make vitamin D way better than people that actually have that beautiful Swiss mocha upholstery that I covet so much. Really? We make it, fair-skinned people make it better than like the Mediterranean? Yeah, the, melan yeah, yeah. The, melan the melanin is protective. Okay. Gosh. All right. As I go to my dermatologist, so, try off a few things from my last trip to Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but we'll do, we can do blood work and make sure your vitamin D is optimal. You, we want in that uh, 60 to 80 range. Mm -hmm. And you can do that from supplementation. I have to fry your skin. And yeah. you might try some of the OxyCell from the office where you have some irregular pigmentation mm -hmm. because that's a glutathione peroxidase transdermal cream. Glutathione is the antioxidant. Of our body so you can use it topically locally where it's needed i tripped over the dog a few years ago and fell into the nightstand and broke my nose the next morning i looked like i'd been in a bar fight i really wish it was a better story yeah you should see the other guy <laughs> but i used the oxycell every couple of hours my black eyes were gone in a week wow sweet. it still took a month for the beak to heal but at least i didn't look like i'd been mugged well your nose looks great now david so <laughs> It's, it's, still in the, it's still in the center of my face, so I'm okay with it. So controversial kind of topic we're entering into, but I'd, of course, love to hear your, your opinion on this. As many millions and millions and millions of people on the planet have taken this new, and I will say experimental, and I say that with complete confidence, because as far as I know, these new technologies- It is experimental. Yeah, and I'd love for you to talk about that. But as far as I have, all the research I've read, and we're talking, you know, people are sending stuff to me every day. And um, no, it's not on CNN, and it's not on NMNBC, or, you know, MSNBC, or any of those usual suspects. But these are from peer-reviewed doctors and scientists and Nobel laureates and all sorts of noble people with a brain. And, um, and also it's in open source information where you can go find it on the web and find that these quote unquote trials, which is a whole other conversation as far as how that's that, what we're participating in now, right? We're, particip we're participating in a trial. These quote unquote trials or clinical trials are not complete until the end of the end of 2023. So 
I have a bunch of questions around this. First of all, according to my research, and I'm sure a lot of people listening may or may not agree, but I would imagine those that have gone down the rabbit hole, and you can look it up yourself, just go to the CDC website and look up the definition of vaccine. And one of the main definitions is that it eradicates the transmission of a disease. And my beef, like many people's beef, is that okay, you go take one, you go take two, you go take whatever, but it does not. And they say the manufacturers are very blatant and say, this does not eradicate the transmission, meaning you're not helping your neighbor out by getting it. You're actually maybe, maybe preventing you from dying or going to the hospital. Okay. But it's not preventing the transmissibility and therefore it is not meeting the definition of vaccine. So is this, or is this not a vaccine? And um, let's start there and then we can kind of dig a little deeper. No, it's not a traditional vaccine. And it's like, if you get the measles injection, you have antibodies they don't constantly test you for measles. Right. So you get the COVID vaccine and they're constantly testing you for COVID. And it's just, it's, we have been lied to so much for so long. I don't watch the Clinton News Network or PMSNBC because I would just as soon gouge my eyes out and do a self lobotomy (laughs) as to watch some of those morons. The, CDC is a pharma whore. They own patents on a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. There were patents established in 2019 before COVID even hit. Mm-hmm. So I've got questions. And until I get some answers from somebody saying, not the little garden gnome, Fauci, I don't trust anything. He's been lying to the public since the 80s with the whole AIDS epidemic where he wouldn't allow for any trials of nutritional supplements and dietary intervention. HIV patients when they had nothing, nothing, nothing to offer those people when they first got sick. So I haven't had any trust in him for 40 years. And I just, the people that made the chair that you're sitting in have a liability insurance policy on that chair in case it fails and you break your back so that you have some financial recourse. When people have no liability, no faith in their product, that just makes all my bells and whistles, you know, okay, you're just you're whoring for the money. And that's the definition of all of these pharma companies that are producing these vaccines or these shots. And I'm, I'm not gonna take a shot for something that I have a 99.9% chance of survival. I can be sick for a week or two. I'm not gonna die of COVID. Uh, no, I have no interest. I quit experimenting with drugs 40 years ago. I have absolutely no interest whatsoever. And you are not going to force me to take a vaccine or to take a, the clot shot. Or whatever. I just I don't trust the technology. And I first met Dr. Judy Ten, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny probably 20, 22, 25 years ago. The woman is brilliant. And she's testified in front of Congress numerous times on the dangers of this exploding number of vaccines. Once Congress took the liability away from vaccine manufacturers in 1986, there's been this plethora. I'm 68, I've had five in the course of my lifetime over nearly 70 years. Uh, I had chickenpox, I had measles, mumps, rubella, I had all of that stuff. Do I need a vaccine? No, my body remembers, I still make antibodies to those if I'm exposed again. So this whole thing is not like anything we have ever seen before. We condemn drugs that have been effective, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin C, zinc, Dr. Zelensky's protocol. We've shut out brilliant practitioners like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Uh, Mike Adams, is a, he's been ostracized from other media. That's why he created Brighteon so that he can bring his podcast and post to the American people where we can get information. I just, I hate to be cynical in my old age, but damn it, they're lying to us left, right, and center. I can deal with anybody's version of truth. Don't assume I'm a fool and that you, that I won't eventually get a clue that you've lied to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to live in fear. I, I come back and forth to Topanga Canyon. I came through last week and a guy in his 50s riding his bike in Topanga Canyon with a mask on. 
Exactly. Seriously? <laughs> now, if there's clean air anywhere in Los Angeles, it's the ocean side of Topanga Canyon. <laughs> this moron has a mask on. So it's just, it's, I, I, can't, I can't believe how easily the American people have just rolled over and given in to this totalitarian BS. Mm-hmm. Anthony Fauci doesn't pay my bills. I don't have to do what he says. Right. So it's just, it's, I, I'm really dismayed at the lack of intestinal fortitude in a lot of the American people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I'm distrustful and- because they have lied. Yeah, and for good reason. In your practice, have you seen the effects of these shots on people? Have you seen clotting? Have you oh, seen yeah. myocarditis? What have you seen? Not myocarditis. We, we've seen a lot of people that her mom got a shot and her period came two weeks early mm-hmm. and was massive. We've seen people that were around people that have gotten the vaccine, have gotten the clot shot, and they've wound up feeling being sick. We don't know. This is a spike protein injection. And I hope and pray that Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and Dr. Mikovits and some of these brilliant, Dr. Fleming, Dr. Zelensky, some of these brilliant, brilliant practitioners, I hope and pray that they're wrong, that we're not going to have this antibody dependence helter-skelter when we get into our cold and flu season this winter and next spring. And a lot of people wind up really, really sick because they took the clot shot. Yeah. I have a family. It should not be mandated. It's just, it's, that's an independent. You, you cannot make me take a drug that I don't want to take. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I'm thinking of a family, I'm thinking of a bunch of family members. Uh, one family member got a, um, had a stroke after the second shot. Um, another family member um, uh, has been fainting. I just, her blood pressure just drops and she, she just is fainting. And uh, she has a lot of pride. So when I ask how she's doing, she'll say she's fine, but uh, no connection. Um, I, my, my acupuncturist is no longer my acupuncturist, unfortunately. He, uh, I believe, just got out of a coma. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, he had, a, he had a hemorrhage, a brain hemorrhage. And um, he's 61, I think. Um, and then I have another family member that has really high platelets that had to have a bone marrow procedure and has uh, been diagnosed with essential thrombocytopedia. Cytopedia, yeah. Now, apparently, they say they think they had this before. I don't know if that's true, but I'm seeing a commonality just with people in my, you know, direct yeah. vicinity. From a historical standpoint, the flu vaccine in the 70s caused Guillain-Barre and they had like three or 400 deaths. It might have even been less than 100 deaths. And it was pulled from markets. There's been, if you go to VAERS, there's over 17, 18,000 deaths from this shot. Why are they still doing it when there's been 17, 18,000 deaths and nearly 100,000 adverse reactions, adverse events? Right. It's not that people, people can go into VAERS and write stuff. Your doctor has to enter into VAERS, but it's a labor-intensive project, just like anything with filling out government forms. They make it difficult so that you'll just go, I don't care. Right. But it's just, it's, there's been so many adverse reactions. And I'm afraid that we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. That mm-hmm. When our cold and flu season kicks in, there's, there's going to be a lot of people really sick behind it. Mm. It should have been pulled from the market. And this, this is 10 months. There have been more deaths from these injections in 10 months than all vaccines in the history of vaccine and the tracking of vaccine deaths. Right. Well, I just think of my family members that I know, and uh, that's not getting reported to VAERS. And no. VAERS is only capturing 1% of all these reactions. Yeah. And so, well, what's happening to the other 99%, like just the four or five people around me that don't seem to think nothing of it. And it's just a natural process of the body and these things happen. And, and uh, you know, I think of- No, 90- no these things should not happen. Yeah. And they're, they're calling it a breakthrough infections. It's not a breakthrough. It's a vaccine failure. Call it what it is. <laughs> right. Well, now it's you're- It's a vaccine failure. Yeah. Now I'm seeing on these buses in London, it's there, uh, these, these um, adver- adverts of where it, where it reads, children have strokes too. 
And now that there's the approval of five to 11 year olds, I no, go, they don't. right. That's why I wanted to ask you. Children don't have strokes, right? No, no, no. If they're in the head with baseball, they can't have a stroke. But in natural course of being, children just don't have strokes. It's exceedingly rare. And what about myocarditis? Is that exceedingly rare too? That's exceedingly rare. Right. And you hear tales of these young athletic guys and they get myocarditis. And if they had any hopes of a career in baseball, basketball, football, and professional sports, that may end their career before they're even out of high school. And that is wrong. The Hippocratic Oath says first, do no harm. You can't say anything about this whole episode of hysteria that screams, do no harm. Many people have been harmed. Mom had COVID. She had, last year she had antibodies. She had no symptoms of COVID. She gets the COVID shot and she has a stroke. Is there a connection? I don't know. She weathered the storm of COVID asymptomatic a year ago at 95. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, I, I don't know. She had some cardiac, but she had never had a stroke or heart attack or anything. Her blood pressure was normal, tending to the low side. She didn't have erratic heartbeats and she had all of that. And that's the erratic heartbeat is what threw the clots. Mm. And was it from the clot shot? Don't know. My intuition says, yeah, because she was one of those 95, nearly 96 year olds that I thought would make it to 100. Right. So I, I don't know. I just, I'm very dubious and distrusting. Just because they've lied to us so much. You know, if I can't discern fact from fiction, I'm just going to assume it's all BS and not pay attention to any of it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's talk about what we can do if you're comfortable answering this question as far as supplementation, um, foods, vitamins, NAC, things like that. Things that can help, first of all, the people that have taken it and want to break down or or help their body detox any of the negative ill effects of this. Um, is there stuff that they can take that you would suggest would be helpful? And then just for everyone in general. Now I take NAC. I'd love for you to break down that. And, uh, and again, anything that you think people should be taking that would be helpful as far as keeping their um, body clean and, and um, cleaned out. Well, the top of the heap, I think, is optimizing your vitamin D levels. Now, in blood work, you want it in the 60 to 80 range. You don't want it above 100 because there's a possibility that it could leach calcium. And you want to get it as well as, as good as possible. Clean up the diet. You know, it's just the things that I see that people have in their grocery carts in the market, if they could read my, <laughs> that's the only reason I like masking a grocery cart and a grocery store, because you can say, put that back on the shelf. And they don't know where it came from. But it's just eat clean foods, whole foods, organic as much as possible. Stay on top of your blood sugar, manage your stress. Dr. Zelensky's formula has zinc, vitamin C, zinc of the range of 50 milligrams. I don't like a boatload all at once. I'm more inclined to do a little bit several times a day. Like the Biotics brand is 15 milligrams, one with each meal like you would get it from your food. Vitamin C, 500 to 1,000 milligrams. The NAC breaks down into glutathione, which is the antioxidant of our bodies. Glutathione is very poorly absorbed. So the NAC is a precursor of glutathione. There's a trisomal glutathione. There's an acetyl, there's a, an acetylated glutathione that is better able to be absorbed. And then there's a glutathione recycler that has NAC and cordyceps and some other things that as precursors aid in rebuilding your glutathione. Drinking plenty of good, clean water. Mm-hmm. It has, as I see a lot of blood work. You're dehydrated. I don't like water. Yeah, it's not an option in terms of what your body needs to function, air, water, food, in that order, pretty much a priority. Uh, we live in, you can do a cleanse, but staying clean when we live in a toilet is an iffy prospect. <laughs> you know, the solution to pollution is dilution. We want enough hydration, sip, sip over the course of the day to optimize your body's ability to get rid and process stuff through. But the diet, the, the diet is just, the dietary changes the last 50 years are just absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, it's, I've been in California 40 years. I go home to East Texas to a family reunion and they eat like they're condemned. Like it's going to be their last meal. It's like, no, you can have some more. And it's just, it's, 
I, I don't, I don't get it. I'm concerned. So with an aging population, we have some problems. If you're going to make it till 85, 90, 100, you've got to take care of yourself. The people that have made it to 95 and 100 is because there were sturdier stock. Mom was sturdy stock, but she also let me supplement her for the last quarter of a century. Yeah. And we optimized her vitamin D, and that's why she had COVID with no symptoms whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there's a lot of things you can do to stack the deck in your favor. First thing you've got to do is stop eating the crap food. Okay. Clean up the diet. It's not about being a Puritan, but it is about making a wise choice more often than make a poor choice. The worst reason to do something is because everybody else is doing it. For sure. Don't be a lemming. If everybody else is going that direction, hell, I'm going to go that direction. There's going to be less crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Logical. Logical. Well, let's talk about water real quick. So spring water or distilled water, Uh, ozonated water, reverse osmosis. Some people say don't drink that. What's up with that? Anything but Los Angeles tap water. (laughs) Really? Like distilled is just as good as spring? Does it no, matter? No, if you do distilled, you need to remineralize it because we're chemical electric. We need those minerals. Okay. That's why I use trace mineral research, liquid trace minerals, and have for 30 years. But it's um, we need to remineralize that. The largest particulate contaminant in most municipal water supplies is toilet paper fibers. Hmm. It's, that's just another source of fiber, but what was on the toilet paper, what it went in the processing system. Ew. We could make, so think about that next time you drink Los Angeles tap water. Ooh. I've got a shower filter on because I, I won't even bathe in Los Angeles tap water. Or the next time you wash your vegetables under the sink, that's not filtered. Oh God. Yep. So, I mean, it's just, it's our, our water supply, they, it's contaminated with agricultural runoff pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, residuals of estrogen and birth control pills that women have been taking that go into the water supply, uh, Prozac and Zoloft and all kinds of pharmaceuticals. Our water is a chemical soup full of crap that you wouldn't necessarily want. So I don't think there's any time in human history that has necessitated or that we have a consideration for filtering whatever water we use through some kind of you know, carbon block, some kind of filtration system, a Berkey filter. It's a gravity fed, the, um, some kind of filtration. I've used Aquasana shower filters on. I can smell the chlorine at the sink or at the toilet, but I don't smell the chlorine in the bathtub and the, when I take a shower. So mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference just pulling the chlorine out. We're actually bathing in cleaner water. Mm-hmm. Is it totally clean? Yeah, probably not. There's probably still other things that, it, that the carbon block filtration doesn't. But, you know, to put it on a shower, it's like 125 bucks and you replace it every five or six months, the pre-filter. So there's, there's lots of options. I use, I drink Essentia, but I refill the tubs, the uh, containers at the office with my Arrowhead. Then I remineralize it with the trace mineral research liquid trace minerals. But it's, we want some kind of clean water. You can't drink the stuff that comes out of the tap. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just most municipal water supplies are just, horrible there's all kinds of scary chemicals in there yeah is there a a filter uh that you like using in your bathroom that you think is good do you know aquasana a-q-u-a-s-a-n-a they're out of houston and it just screws into the little outlet that comes out of the wall for your shower yeah we carry it yeah and then you run your tub through the filter through the shower to filter it okay great um I'm going to have a whole list of uh, recommendations at the end of this uh, podcast. I'm going to have a whole list of recommendations in the show notes that I can um, oh, cool. give to these guys that are listening. So a couple more things before we go. Just curious, are there any technologies um, that you're really passionate about as far as um, wellness goes and, and, and optimizing our health that you're discovering that you think is just awesome, killer, helpful, groundbreaking? I think conscious eating, living your life consciously, making choices that serve you more often you make choices that don't serve you. I tend to be a bit of a willful child. Quickest way to goad me into doing something is tell me I can't, had not, or should have, then it's like a dare. Okay, yeah, watch me. 
So it's just, it's if we make wise choices, I don't like limitations. So if you just make a conscious choice, people run on autopilot. They go into 7-Eleven, they get a cup of coffee, they grab some garbage that's sitting at the counter. It's sitting at the counter to entice you. It's marketing. It's there purposely to entice you to make a poor choice. So it's resist the marketing and make a wise choice. You can always make a better choice. And with better choices, there's no limitations. You know, it just, it's, eat as if it's going to matter 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back and forth to Topanga Canyon. I could be a hood ornament on a bus coming back home tomorrow. But in all likelihood, I'm probably going to be an old farts. If I'm going to be an old codger, I get to design the kind of 70 and 75 and 80 and 85 year old man I'm going to be. They're still going to plant me at some point in the future. But the greatest things that I may see or do in the course of our li- my life may still be ahead of me. And the greatest things you will see or do in the course of your life, my dear, are still ahead of you. Plan mm-hmm. on another 40 years. Oh. I'm planning on another 30 years or so. I you know, will. I, I want to see what science and technology is going to bring to enrich our lives. Mm-hmm. And it just says, I'm hopeful. I see the glass is half full, but I see a lot of liars on the horizon. So I, I'm eternally hopeful. I choose to see the glass half full. And we all have those uh, crap days. But if we work to make better choices and we how it's how we shape, if we make the best choices, then if things go south, uh, there's a T-shirt I've seen. I said, like, oh, shit, that didn't work. That's going to be my last words. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> and it's uh, if we make wiser choices most of the time, I think we're way ahead of the curve because there's a lot of people that are just running on autopilots. And unconscious uh, or limit, limited consciousness. And that's one of the messages that I hope to bring to a lot of people is make a wise choice. More often than you make a poor choice. Life is made up of a series of choices. And if we can teach kids to make wise choices more frequently than they make poor choices, I think those kids will be way ahead of the curve when they get to be teenagers and young adults into their 20s and 30s. Yes. Thank you for that. And to trust themselves instead of yeah. feeling like they need to rely on these systems outside of themselves that don't give a shit about their empowerment. You know, no, I, think no, of, no. I think of like, I, I'll reference him a lot in some of my podcasts, um, uh, Jason Kristoff. And he says, you know what? The government hasn't created school systems where you can learn how to write a business plan. They'll teach you how to write a resume, but they won't teach you how to write a business plan. I want my kid to know how to write a business plan. Yeah. I want well, LA Unified School District barely teaches kids to read and write. <laughs> right. Is there anything you can leave our listeners that will empower them to step forward into their innate sovereignty, their innate knowing and just strengthen them to make better choices. My favorite chemistry teacher in high school always said, think long, think wrong, people. Follow your first impression. And if she said that once in the school year, she said it 10,000 times. Think long, think wrong, people. Follow your first impression. So learn to listen to your intuition. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If it sounds like a false promise, it probably is. Life is supposed to be rich. It's supposed to be vibrant. It's supposed to be technicolor. And for many people, it is not. And it should be. And when you connect with that spirit within and start listening, it's like tuning a radio station. You get static, 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 and all of a sudden it comes in clear, crystal clear, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and you hear Aretha singing out. Is it's supposed to be like that. If you listen to your inner guidance and learn to trust it, it will serve you and you will grow a really good bullshit detector. Mm. Mm-hmm. Think long, think wrong, people. Follow your first impression. Yes. If something sounds like fertilizer, it probably is. Yes. If it smells like a rat, it is a rat, people. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you, David. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you for providing me this opportunity to reach out. I hope some people got a little nugget of wisdom here and there. 
or a touch of the irreverence because it's um, politically incorrect, re- irreverent old redneck, but my, <laughs> my duty is here is to serve. And you are. And if you entertain and serve at the same time, oh man, even better. And you did. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Oh, amen. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.